Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Today I have Hector Bassett with me. Now, the great thing about this is that I always thought people with accents were super sexy, right? Because you sound different. And then I realized at some point, if you have an accent, so do I. So Correct. We're all super sexy, no Correct. matter what. Correct. And you are, see, I was thinking I was five hours ahead of you. I always want to be ahead of everybody. I, maybe it's competitive. I don't know. But you're yes. actually like 19 hours ahead of me. So it's Saturday morning Correct. for you. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, Hector, in New Zealand? I'm really good, thanks. I'm really good. Just got up and got my boys organized and uh, headed into the office for a couple of hours. All right. That sounds perfect. On your Saturday morning. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad that you're with me. So I'm just going to give a couple facts. Um, okay. Hector, you and I met, and we actually haven't met. This is the first time we've actually seen each other in motion. Yes. Um, but we have the same business coach, although we have vastly different businesses. You are, your business is Davidson Frazier. That's it. And you do accounting and all the things that people like me don't like. So, <laughs> I, I like people like you because it's called a resource. <laughs> so tell me a little bit. Davidson Fraser Limited is the name of your business. You have three boys, correct? That's right, yeah. But you started your business when only two were born. And it's both of their middle names, Davidson and Fraser. Yeah, D Davidson the, is the middle name of our oldest boy. Fraser is the middle name of our middle boy and uh, they both have um, Davidson's also my dad's middle name and Fraser is also uh, my wife's grandmother's maiden name so it's got a family connection yep and that's great and then now the youngest how old's your youngest boy he is six so does he know that he was cut out of that loop <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> that's going to come down on you pretty hard at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of my, a lot of our clients asked us uh, asked me whether um, once we had Eli whether I was going to change the name. I said, oh, we like we like the way Davidson Fraser sounds. If if he wants to grow up and uh, take over the business, then um, we can look at it then." Okay, perfect. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Okay, so you do accounting and tax and business planning and coaching. Yeah. And and you love it. I really do. I really do. It's, it's, um, it's been a bit of a, um, evolutionary process. Um, and yep, it's just, a, it's, a, and, and I, it's, it's forever evolving. And it's, as I said, I started accounting and tax and then realized I could help people more by actually having a plan in place and helping people understand their cash flow. And, uh, you know how it is. I, I, I just love helping people and, um, uh, I, I've just taken a bit of time to figure out exactly how best I do that. I love it. And, and, um, you're a lot of us that coach, well, we all do such different things, but you're, I think you're the only 
accountant and tax person. So I just haven't had a question yet, but that's the only reason I haven't bombarded you. But I love that interaction through our group um, where people are like, thank you. Thank you for being here, Hector. <laughs> we need you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you live in New Zealand, but you were actually born in Australia. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And you're 49, which yes. means nothing except that I'm 46. So I can just pick on you about being like the older brother. That, that's so. right. <laughs> um, and so how different are Australia and New Zealand just for someone who's been to neither? Uh, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of similarities. I think a, one of the stereotypical differences that people pick on is, um, uh, Australians with their slight twang, um, that in their accent, they, they come across generally as a little bit more cocky. You might say overconfident. Some, uh, some of us Kiwis would say, and, and, and us Kiwis are a little bit more understated. We still, uh, this kind of, there's a thing called the um, uh, Kiwi number eight wire attitude, which is um, that number eight wire is this, the concept of basically using a piece of wire to, to fix a fence or join something. So we have a, we have a quiet self-confidence that anything is possible. It might not look exactly the way you want it to, but it will do the job. We call that duct tape in America. Yeah, yeah, it's, we, yeah that's right. <laughs> That's a, yeah, so um, yeah, that's some of the some of the differences, and I'm still, you know, I've still got my brother, my bro, my brothers, two two older brothers and a sister who still live in Australia, um, and I visit Australia quite a lot. Shalom, my wife has got uh, relatives in Australia, who of course are now my relatives as well. So anyway, so you, you, we, yeah, we're pretty close. So there's four of you in the family. You were number three, two boys, then you, then a younger sister. And yeah, that's it. Born in Australia. Yes. Um, and uh, what was mom? Your mom was from. You call her mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you guys put an O M O M. We spell M U M. Yeah. Right. So, uh, dad was born in New Zealand. Your mom was born in Australia. Yep. And so you ended up living, being born and growing up your first 12 years in Australia. So how did they navigate that? How did you end up in Australia? Um, uh, actually, there's, there's quite a long story to that. So I'll give you the abridged version. Um, my dad uh, was born in uh, New Zealand. And uh, the, the abridged version is exactly why he went to Australia. Um, but he ended up in Australia and... Um, Met my dear mum, and uh, he he dad was married before mum, so his marriage to mum was his second marriage, and they ended up in Australia, and uh, uh, met and uh, had a, had us had all us kids. We were in New South Wales, and we we shifted around a lot. My oldest brother was born in Barrel, and my middle brother was born in a place called. Uh, I can't even remember. I was born in Narrabri and my sister was born in Gunnedah. So yeah, that's kind of how we came, came to be in Australia. All right. And so what did they do work-wise? Our uh, dad was, um, he was a really talented guy actually, but he uh, in hindsight lacked a little bit of focus and he was a, he, he's listed on my birth certificate as being a salesman. 
and he was a, he was a pretty good salesman. And he, because he's a, I guess the more I go on, the more I realise uh, I'm quite like him. You know, as a, as a teenager growing up, I, it bothered me that I was like him, uh, but I uh, really. I reconciled my relationship with my dad and um, and embrace the fact that I am a bit like him and he was a really good man and he really taught me a lot. Now I'm going to talk about growing up with, would you consider both of your parents as being alcoholics or was it just alcohol was common in the house? Yeah. Uh, Look, I've come to the conclusion that I'm not convinced. I, I, um, I'm not convinced. I believe in the definition of alcohol alcoholism. It's I get I get that it's a disease, and, and there's no question that there's a certain reality to it. Um, but uh, you know how much you're predisposed to it, or whatever. I don't know. But but um, so I won't get into all my philosophy on it, uh, Jen. But the um, the thing for me is. Um, they both, yeah, they, they were both uh, out of control with their drinking, you know, mum and dad, and they both smoked like trains. They were, you know, and for me, it's, it's, it's all about, uh, it's largely to do with that they were broken inside. They were uh, struggling to cope with life. So that was, that was their crutch, cigarettes and alcohol, and mum was betting as well. Um, but, you know, they did things like, um, I remember going, them going to bed at night and, uh, Dad had given up smoking by this time, but Mum had a fags and uh, a gin and tonic beside a bed, and uh, Dad had his stout or his gin, or um, and uh, you know, at that time we didn't see it as it was it was that was our normal. But um, you know, when you grow up and start to see the impact it's had of the anyway, I'm digressing a little bit. But what did I answer your question? You did. I um. I think I'm. I'm trying to clarify if it's different in country. I think you and I are in the same generation, and so our parents are pretty much in the same generation. And generationally, yes. drinking and smoking, like in the car, in the house, you know, they didn't know. Maybe uh, I don't know. People thought it was a lie that cigarettes were so bad for you. And are you going to believe yeah. everything the media says? And it's really yeah. not that big of a deal. And there were, it, the stigma was just so completely different. We're talking like early 70s. Yes. Um, it, through the 70s. And alcohol was viewed very differently. Yeah. Um, alcoholism, as far as a disease and a diagnosis, was different back then. And so I grew up similarly, where martini every single night, several of them. Um, and it wasn't like you're raging drunk beating people all the time, no. although that could be part of it. Yeah. Um, it was more just very, so this was what you did every day and yeah. there was no negative stigma or connotation. So I'm just trying to gauge with you if it was more, I know when my dad drank and he hit a certain point, he was very angry and abusive. Yeah. Some, some people grew up in our generation where no, it was just normal, but yeah. it wasn't violent. Yeah. So it was just like a normal thing for you. There wasn't anything violent necessarily. No, no. And it's kind of, it's sort of hard to define exactly how it was with mum because she died when I was so young. I was, I was nine. And, um, so, and I just, I still just remember her as, uh, this, this, this wonderful, um, loving caring person 
who I lost at such an early age. That's, that's, um, so that's how it is with her. With dad, though, the thing is he, he did get violent a few times, but he was essentially a passive guy. And, um, and for the most part, the impact that I found influenced me was uh, his emotional detachment. He was never taught how to express his feelings, uh, so everything was very matter of fact. And there was there was a, for a long time there was just a sense of disconnectedness. And in some relationships, that's kind of a bit neither here nor there. But when it's your dad, and all, all you sorry, all you want from him is um, is to be close. Um, so that, that was the that was the biggest impact for me is like his, his emotional distance and that, and that was his, see, and now I understand a little bit and, and that, that was his way of coping. That was his way of coping. You know, when you've got all this stuff going on inside, you can't manage, uh, his way of dealing was to close it down. And I think again, generationally, that was very Absol common. And I absolutely. think male versus female, it's more common. So you did say it, and I know this is uh, when we talked before, when we've emailed and we've talked and stuff, this is some of the toughest stuff to talk about. So I was kind of setting the stage yeah. and you were only nine when your mom passed away, yeah. when you lost your mom. And, um, you know, we both have kids that are that age, so we see where they are developmentally. You, uh, you're Absolutely. very... You're young, you're naive, you've learned how to read, you're, the world is exciting and open. And, and you did say um, before to me and here today is that you had, yes, they, there was a lot of drinking, but you had a really close special relationship with your mom and you always knew how much she loved you. Yes. And you have expressed gratitude that you've had that to take with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look, so, so I think that's, so, so no, no, look, mate, no question. It was, uh, it, it was a, it was a hard experience losing your mum at that age. I look at our, I look at our, we, we, we have a nine year old boy at the moment and, uh, he's, he's, he's a lot like me. Uh, he's a, he's a very sensitive kid. And I, um, I think about, you know, how he'd go if his mum went, you know, and uh, so it's a, a it's a challenging emotional experience. H having said that, the um, you know, being willing to, being willing to face these things as I have, uh, and get help as I have, um, I've uh, I just have this <laughs> this deep appreciation. For, for what it is to, to have a mum who um my wife is amazing mate she's you know she's she's a she's a loving caring um yeah so so i just have a deep appreciation for what it is to to um to have have a mum in their lives so that actually helps me love on my boys that helps me uh love on my wife um and so I'm determined to, to pass on that legacy to my kids, not the, uh, not necessarily the things that I learned early on. Excuse right. Me. 
That's okay. Did, now, did that answer your question? Yeah. Um, I'm good at well, digressing. No, you're, it's never digressing in an interview. <laughs> um, I always feel like when you've lost someone that's wonderful, that meant so much, yep. you're blessed to actually miss them and have that. When my dad died, it was a relief. Yes. That he wasn't going to be around anymore. And so as, as horrible as it is when I hear that someone lost someone that they love that much, that you miss that much, that had a positive impact, I think, yes, but you're blessed that you had that, even though it was taken too soon. Yes. And I know that that kind of gratitude is what you feel. Now, when she passed away, was it expected at all? Was um, no, well, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. See, what what I what I learned afterwards that though, you know, she was forty seven. So, you know, you don't die of a heart attack without having some kind of, probably, I, I suspect, some kind of predisposed, uh, you know, health condition. Having said that, you know, the fact that you know she was overweight, ate badly, drank too much, smoked. Uh, was uh, in incredibly stressed because she didn't manage her life. So, you know, she would do whatever she did during the day, do it, go down to the pub, bet, whatever. And then so she'd be up watching the television till, uh, you know, late at night, smoking, drinking, uh, and just, you know, just didn't have a healthy lifestyle. So there's no question in my mind that had a significant um, contribution on that. And what I, what I also learned... Uh, many years after she died, that um, that that wasn't her first heart attack. That was her oh. third. That was her third heart attack. Wow! Um, and so, so some see, and this is this is this is the confound. This is the thing that's still a little confounding for me is that uh, here's this lady who has uh, four beautiful children and uh, has two heart attacks. And still doesn't have the willpower, doesn't have the wherewithal, doesn't have the help to stop drinking and smoking. It would uh, unquestionably would have contributed to uh, her, her length of life, potentially a lot. Wow. So you you describe when you, you lost your mom, clearly your nine-year-old boy, you weren't expecting it or prepared for it or any of that. You were very lost. And she was like, you explained your dad as being more emotionally disconnected and yeah. your mom being the one that was very loving. Yeah. And, and I imagine what happened to dad when she was gone? Um, well, he, he, um, he was, you know, he, he was a, his, his self, professed condition was alcoholism and he so he he went through a period and I can't remember exact time frame but basically a short period after she died he drank really heavily uh and he just crashed and burned and see here's the here's the interesting this is still confounding and interesting to me is that uh shortly after she died he was hospitalized and basically the the doctors said to him you know Ken you can keep drinking but you will die um and that, and that was something something shifted something something was enough in him to um and i guess also the uh he was really 
he didn't want, we would have been orphaned obviously if he'd, um, if we'd lost him. And so he got into AA and I think he had one lapse after getting into AA, but essentially he was, you know, that was, that was ages ago and he, he's passed now, but he, he must've lived 35, 40 years sober. So, um, and see, and, that, and again, see, as, I, as I've kind of grown up and learned, um, I, at one point I was um, uh, frustrated and cross with him for, every, you know, everything that worked out in my life, I, I, it was my doing, according to me, and everything that sucked was his fault. And I kind of had this realization that basically I had it all upside down you know everything that the reason my life wasn't working out wasn't because of him it was because of me um, and yes yes there were some things that happened and, and, and I and I don't have a life without him and so I just got to see that I you know I've got a choice in life I can carry on um, being a victim for the rest of my life uh, and get the results that I've been getting for the or I can um, you know, look after myself, face what I need to face. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, so that's kind of how it went with, um, that, that's what happened with dad. And you yep. were lost, but he was as well. He oh, was, mate, and it, I, absolutely. I knew, he, you absolutely. were, you said he was a dry drunk, and I know exactly what that is. I mean, yep. um, you know, the, in all of the addiction information, however you, view that and addicts and addicts and addicts so if they're not using yep. alcohol yep. something else generally takes the place and it can just be behavior and if his behavior was detachment then and he was lost it yep. just seems like it's amplified yep. um, through addiction yep. so you had a dad that was lost for a while and a dry drunk and not yes. not there for you or not well mentally no um and uh, you know i i know that he wasn't um he was never violent he wasn't violent or harmful and he was trying to kind of get his stuff together for his yeah. kids yeah but that emotional um detachment or kind of abusiveness not the lack of being there is sometimes i'd rather be hit <laughs> <laughs> you know um, <laughs> just yeah, hit me I, get it over with yeah, yeah yeah i i know what you're saying and it and that and that was the thing like um I, look I, I think that's 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 interesting i i think that's part that was part of my struggle was um you know he put food on the table just and heard some of the stories historically that you know basically he sold stuff to to put to go and buy food and but he put food on the table. Uh, he cared for us. He kept us together, um, and he just he did his he did his best. So it was it was kind of um, that, that's always been an interesting dynamic to um, to. I had to I had to get past, I had to get past my accusation and my frustration at him and blaming him, but also acknowledge that. Um, you know, a, a, this person that I was born to be had been emotionally affected, traumatized, you might say. Uh, um, and 
whether 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 that was my doing or his doing or anybody's you know my friends at school maybe it was them that they when they hassled me or that but regardless of the emotional experience i still needed to resolve that to have the life that i wanted to have and so <clears throat> um so even though times are changing like you've pointed out and and, and thank god they have changed where you know it's more acceptable to talk about depression or some kind of um psychological problems <clears throat> it's still a very it's still a very precarious world to um to, to kind of try and resolve those issues and one of the things for me is i've i've, I've just spent a lot of time seeking help and i've sought out a lot of people who are not helpful and i've um had relationships where um <clears throat> I've exposed myself and that trust has been breached. Um, and, uh, and you know, if you're not careful, then you go and just carry on being closed off rather than going, okay, no, that person's just a dickhead, excuse my language. Um, and, or they're, or they're dealing with their own stuff. I'm not going to use them. Yeah. So, so it was a, it was a, um, it was a tricky dynamic. Uh, it was a tricky dynamic to, to, to kind of understand and then kind of, work out how to handle it right so you're and you kind of um went forward a little bit because you're you were a teenager and you were a normal teenager but you said you you kind of your big smile and your happiness and your it was kind of a facade <laughs> yes we all wear masks yes you know. um but you switched I don't know if it was you switched high schools or was it when you went to college that you met four, you called them good guys. Yeah. 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 And they're still friends to now. Yeah. 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 I moved colleges. I, I moved colleges. We'd, we, we immigrated from, cause we immigrated from Australia back to New Zealand to be with my father's father before he died in a little place in top of the South Island called Motawaika. Uh, and a couple of my friends had gone to the school called Nelson College. And so I ended up going there and meeting these guys who, uh, and it's, and it's, very, it's very interesting They because they, you know, we didn't talk about our feelings. <laughs> we didn't share our hearts with one another. Um, <clears throat> well, in some ways we kind of did uh, because they, uh, they all knew. They didn't. They all knew that my mum had died. Uh, they didn't take pity on me, but uh, they loved on me in their own way. And 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 to, 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 to looking looking from the outside, you wouldn't. You know, we just hassled each other. My nickname was Wookie, and one of the other guys was Tubbs, and um, another one of my good mates his his nickname Stumpy because he's you know, the other four of us are tall and he's quite a short guy and he's got short fingers. And so we said, you know, you say kind of nasty things and, uh, but actually, especially looking back, it was all in love. And I had a couple of the parents as well that a couple of the mums who, uh, <laughs> really loved on me. One of the, and this guy Stumpy in particular, Marty, he, um, his parents were very kind to me. I overstayed my work on many occasions at their house. Uh, but they just kind of went, okay, it's Hector. We'll have him. Come on. <laughs> <clears throat> but those are the 
people that start to, I mean, I didn't have like a father figure till I was 19. And I didn't believe he was really as nice as he said he was because I'd never experienced that. And I think, you know, that's why I feel so strongly that in our daily lives, just being ourselves, we have the ability to make an enormous impact on someone else. And clearly, absolutely, you have these four buddies that you, you know, you joke and you uh, pick on each other. And that's a way that you're showing that you care for each other. And then parents that kind of pulled you in. And yes, they all knew that your mom had passed. And all of us, anyone, whether you've lost someone like that or not, are going to be empathetic to how that would feel for you. So you had these people in your life that really made this huge impact just by being themselves and loving you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But um, you still decided maybe you could find some answers in the bottom of a bottle. Yeah, I did. And it was, um, it was quite interesting because I, um, See, because those those are the guys who introduced me to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Damn them! <laughs> well, um, I mean, alcohol can be healthy. It, it doesn't have to be unhealthy. No, no, and look, it, hey, and for the most part, uh, well, with us, it quite often was unhealthy, in my opinion. Um, but see, one of the things I really noticed, so so that was like in my, I, I was what was it, how old was I then when I met them? Sixteen or something like that, and. So we grew up, they went to university. I went, I went out to the workplace, but I still got to, to, to spend time with them. And then as we got into our early 20s and we were independent adults, um, one of the things I noticed is we'd go out and you know, drink as much as we'd drink, carry on. Um, and I never believed that I was an alcoholic and I still don't believe that I ever was. Uh, but it, it was always... Um, it always seemed to me a bigger problem than it was for them that I, I would wake up the next day, very remorseful, uh, very depressed, I'm not sure you call it clinical depression or how exactly how to find that either, but it was just a, you know, a sense of being lost. Yeah. So, and I just, I just knew, I just knew, I guess it was partly driven. I knew I just wanted more from life. And it was like, I, I agree with you. Like I, and especially as you're young, you know, the, the you know, the younger, the, our youth is lost on us. We're silly when we, <laughs> um, and there's, I, I think there's to some extent you can't avoid that, but the, I, yes. And so the, as I went into my twenties and thirties, I realized that I was continuing to get drunk and uh, basically carry on and avoid trying to accomplish the things I really wanted to. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, I think it, uh, the alcohol, anything, it, you can pick any modality. It doesn't have to be alcohol, but for right. this Absolutely. example, alcohol doesn't have to be the enemy or the bad thing, but for you, you were using it similarly to how you had seen it growing up. Yes. And, and it wasn't what you wanted or who you wanted to be or how you wanted to live your life. And um, yeah. it's hard not to get caught up in that. I think you're right. Our youth is lost on us. And then you also have relationships that aren't good. And I mean, I'm here to tell you, and I'll tell my kids, you're not going to meet the type of person that you want to marry in a strip club, getting drunk. You know, it's, they're not there because <laughs> 
I know it's shocking. Yeah, it <laughs> People is are going to be like, what did she just say? Um, <laughs> you can't get the person, if you want to be with a, in a relationship with someone and you want it a certain way and that's not it, then that's not where you should be looking for it. Yep. And you found that to be the case with relationships where you put in too much trust. Like you said, you're, you're a sensitive lad, right? <laughs> so you're opening your heart to things and that's when people hurt you. Yeah. And I and see, this is, see, this is, this is as best as I can understand it. Uh, essentially what happened was <clears throat> two of my first relationships were with people who were already in a relationship. So it was this um, sense of, uh, uh, you know, repeating what I'd learnt as a child, even though I knew it wasn't going to work out, I still carried on that behaviour, which was, uh, I, with my mum, it was um, loving someone who couldn't love me back because she was gone, and it was a similar thing with my dad. So, uh, so it was like this... Um, self-fulfilling prophecy and it was completely unconscious to me um you know trying to have a relationship with a with a person who's already in a relationship you know it's 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 literally insane um uh and yet i was um i was i was driven to that for, for some time and it took me a long time to, um, and I'm still out working the, you know, I've got a healthy relationship now, but like you said, like you said, um, the whole, the crutches, whatever the crutches, you know, and um, so I, there's still a, there's still this dynamic to my personality. It's almost like a self-destruct button that still will kick in if I let it. Um, and it's just the biggest thing that's different in my life today is that I have actively sought out people, mainly people, but, but in a way, kind of a structure in my life. So I've got a, a, a wife who loves me. I've got kids who re rely on me. I've got a business that I love, but also relies on me. Uh, so I've got, all, and I've got all these things that are calling me into being in life. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead. But that's, so that, that's kind of what it was with the I started out with those crazy relationships because uh, I, I um, it, and it was kind of a self protection mechanism as well. It's like it was trying to get a little bit of, a little bit of titillation basically, uh, because I knew there was no risk of, um, risk of commitment, um, and even though I'd hurt a little bit, it was kind of minimising the hurt. Does uh, that make sense? Oh yes, because I've done it myself. So, it, it's just interesting for me. It was. Um, I don't want to be with a man who's not, I want to be with a man who's emotionally available, but I will choose yes. men who are unavailable. Yes. And then I will bitch about how they're unavailable. Yes. And yes. I will finally leave because That's none right. of my needs are met. Right. <laughs> right. And so, and then I will leave to go find that emotionally available man and end up with someone who's unavailable again. And why? Because I'm not putting my ass on the line. Yeah. I'm protecting myself. I'm never yeah. allowing myself to be vulnerable. And so when you leave, like you said, there's some amount of hurt, but it's not that much because you were never completely invested because you set it up that way. Yeah. And yes, it will fail, but you know, and so I think we all have a self-destruct button and to do it the other way is scary. 
it's scary and it's raw and it's vulnerable. And if it fails, you will be incredibly hurt, but you won't, we will also never be satisfied. Yeah. So I do understand, but you, I am, I'm going to back up just a little bit. You realized this was not the direction you wanted to go. <laughs> I did. And, and you did, you went to therapy. Now I've had therapy that I thought was fantastic and worked. And I've had therapy that I thought was worse. <laughs> yeah. Like you just, you, you just helped make that one worse. Yeah. Um, and so you found like, you know, you get, you have to pull the good out of every situation. So you went to therapy that wasn't overwhelmingly helpful. No. And you did go to support groups. Yep. Um, now the support groups, was that like an AA type support group? Was it something else? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, there's a couple of groups um, that have kind of stemmed out of alcohol, AA, because then there's, there's a group called Al-Anon yeah. and a group called Adult Children of Alcoholics. And that, both of those groups I attended at different times. Um, and so they're exactly as they say, the, or the Al-Anon is for people, mainly spouses, but also anybody who's been affected by alcoholism and they're not necessarily the alcoholic. And the same with ACOA, it's, you're not necessarily an alcoholic. Um, but it's just kind of understanding the implications, the effects. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's where I started to, I, I definitely found, started to find a bit of peace there. Uh, and, and probably the thing that stands out is, uh, as, 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 as weird as it was, I kind of believed that we, one of the premises of getting healing is coming to believe in a God of your understanding. Uh, and it's like, whoa, and, and you took this people, that's out there, pal. And, um, and, and it's also this act of surrender. It's kind of, uh, and I still struggle to uh, accept the fact that my life had become unmanageable. Well, I, I definitely had become unmanageable. Yeah. Are you with me? So yeah, it's just, so, so that's where I started to find a real, uh, it, it was just finding peace because that was the thing. Like I was, I knew there was something going on inside so I was looking for titillation and entertainment and avoidance. Um, and, and, and like you say, so an element of titillation and fun, that's cool. But when you're just avoiding it all the time. So I came and found this group of people that were just really honest uh, and vulnerable with one another. It was immensely comforting and it was immensely healing. And I just loved the whole, oh, just let's, it's, we don't, we, we don't have to, we don't have to prove ourselves here. We don't have to be any particular way. Uh, we just get to hang out and, um, and, and love each other really. And just, and just um, very eerie fairy for some people. But um, that was the start of, that was, that was, those groups were definitely the start of uh, me finding peace and a little bit of direction in my life. And also I think uh, you're not alone. Yeah, that's that's that that's a big that's a big part of it actually. That's a that's a really good point because that's that's one of the reasons why people continue to fail because they don't ask for help. They don't, and they don't have, or, or worse, they've got people in their lives that are dragging them back. Right. And and see that that was happening with me a little bit with my mates. You see, they were, uh, and I actually ended up shifting away from Wellington to Palmerston North now. And they weren't, and they weren't even intentionally dragging me down. But it was, that was a healthy thing for me to move away at that time in my life. Anyway. So now you're not alone. You feel um, like you're getting healthier. 
those unhealthy relationships you can recognize yourself the struck button um but you did also make good decisions through all that it's not like i mean it was very hard and i don't want to minimize that you know your own your own self-destruction is never a pretty picture <laughs> but you um you made enough good choices to come through that kind of better and stronger and you were able to step back and realize that yeah i think i um i, I somehow managed to um stay uh in relationship with a bunch of people and despite the unhealthy male female relationships i had i was still basically a decent guy and uh you know you get what you give out. So I had good friends that supported me and people that were genuinely concerned for me and tried to take care of me. And we took, yeah. So is that what you're asking? Yeah. I had a good, I yeah, had a good bunch you, of friends. You did. I mean, as a, I think I'm a pretty good person. And that doesn't mean that I have, that I'm always a good parent and that I'm, I've never made bad choices or that I haven't been the catalyst in the bad parts of the relationship or the failure or the whatever. I mean, we're, we're all, we're all part of all of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you were able to recognize you did have this support network. You did make good choices in there with all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, and you're in the right place. So let's talk about, you touched on the, the God aspect of the, the 12 mm -hmm. step type programs. Mm -hmm. So had you never gone to church or had any experience with that prior? Um, that's it. Uh, Somehow, for some reason, as kids, and I don't know whether this was a generational thing either, our mum and dad didn't, weren't believers, um, but they we used to go to Sunday school. I, I'm I'm convinced they just did it as a like a get the kids out of the house for a couple of hours. So and and I and I remember that very clearly the not specifics, but the experience. It was very weird going and sitting with these people I didn't know. Uh, and having somebody read out of this Bible, which as far as I was concerned was an interesting storybook, but uh, that was it. Um, so that was my, that, that was my first experience with faith as it were. The second thing that I found out much later in life was um, that for me was part of my journey to faith, which was uh, my two older brothers had been, it's not baptized, what do you call it? Christened. And uh, it came time for me to be christened. And my dad um, apparently said to mum, glad I'm really not comfortable taking this boy into a church and promising to bring him up uh, as a, as a God fearing Christian when I'm not going to do that. And see, and this is the, see, this is one of the things that, Christianity is a, being a Christian now. It's a, it's a funny experience. It's a, um, it's uh, I and I see. I think one of the keys is is being honest with with yourself. And Dad, that for me that was a that was a honest step. And see, this is also what I believe is that your your parents do lay a foundation for you. And so that step was part of my step to coming to faith. He was like going, no. I'm not going to do this. Uh, I can't honestly go into a church and promise that I'm going to do that. There you go. That's a, that was that was something of an answer. That was it an answer to your question. 
it was i wondered kind of what the exposure was that you had had growing up because that's i know that you're a christian now so that's yep. sort of a, a big difference from not being raised with that um so i'm sure i mean it doesn't say you need to go to church the 12-step program doesn't say go to church and believe in god no, no it doesn't no and 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 many many people in the many people in aa and al-anon are uh, I don't know the anti is quite the right word, but they don't want anything to do with um, church anyway. And that's my experience. So most people don't. It's 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 the church and the organisations that people don't want a part of. It's not the faith itself. Oh, um, absolutely. But um, so yeah, that was so that was. You, you did start going to church though. Yeah. What? So what happened was um, how? Did, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but the um. Oh, actually, this is how it happened. Uh, see, going, uh, I'm not sure exactly when it started, but going to those Al-Anon groups, I think it started by, it, it started this internal desire, the search for something greater than myself. And I loved the peace that I got from what I, what I started to believe was uh, this person external to me. Um, and I... I went, I was away at a basketball trip. Speaking of drinking, there was quite a lot of drinking at that basketball tournament. Um, and um, there was, a, there was, there was a, a lady there who was the wife of one of the, one of the, guy, the captain of our team. And we were in the motel, a bunch of us talking afterwards. And she started talking about this alpha program, which is, which is, which is an introduction to Christianity. And here's the thing that prompted me to go was that, part of what had stopped me going to church was excuse my definition, but all the weirdos that went to church and um, this person was cool. You know, I really respected her. And so maybe they weren't all like that. Well, that's something that was something of the dynamic that happened. And so then I went to, I went to an alpha, I went to this alpha course, which is this guy called Nicky Gumbel, who, these uh he's an english guy and they have these pre-recorded tapes that you go and listen to and talk to people about god and i i just uh they had a conversation about christ and um which was some people believe he's a good man or some people believe he's you know yes yeah, so he's just a good man and his explanation was he can't he's either an evil man or an insane man you can't go proclaiming to be god and just be a good man uh, so, I, and I just, I realized in that moment that I believed in Christ. Uh, and so from then it's just been a case of, yeah, I started going to the church that was offering that program. And, uh, that was actually where I met my wife. Yes. I remember this. So now your wife's name is Shalom, which I think is in your story, such an ironic name because it means peace. <laughs> And uh, I think she's given you a lot of that. Um, so it was actually, she was just visiting. You had joined this church and you're kind of navigating your journey and believing in Christ. And you did a great job of reading that email. Carry on. <laughs> I, you didn't actually say that. I just, when I read it, I, it kind of hit. I went, wow, that's ironic that that was your wife's name. And that, and that you met, she was visiting her old church, which was where 
you are attending in your newly found navigation of Christianity. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I just think I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's pretty amazing that uh, she just happened to be there visiting. Yes. Um, and you were there searching and she ended up being your piece. Like, so we, we, we still have a, we still both have a slightly different version of what happened on that day. It's okay, so well, funny. let's talk about that. What's yours? Well, um, I had uh, another quite interesting part to the story is about two weeks before that, through some other people, this social gathering I was at, I had met Shalom's sister and her husband and her two little kids. And I remember her two little kids who are now my. They're your nephews now. And you, you met them. It's mate, mate, I met them before. So, so I met them and, uh, and I, Shalom uh, sing, is a singer and she used to sing worship. And uh, I, my, here's my version of the story. I was, I, um, she wasn't a per, I, I don't know how, in life, some, there was women in life where I, eyes would meet and you just kind of go, whoa. Um, she, she wasn't that for me. She wasn't that for me. But here's what happened is, and so I, gen, my introduction to her, because I've always been quite a, you know, forward person in that regard. It's like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to die not knowing. Okay. So, and so I wasn't actually, but I wasn't making an approach uh, in a relationship, you know, boy, girl thing. I just said, introduced myself and said, look, I love how you worship. Uh, and I just really admired her. And, um, uh, I just said, I met your sister last week and just sort of had a bit of a chat with her and And then she opened her mouth and started to talk. I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> that. So it wasn't the across the room, love at first sight, no, heart. Was, she actually had to speak. Usually well, it's the opposite, you know, Hector. Well, it's, it, yeah, yeah, probably is. Uh, <laughs> and, and see, this is the thing about relationship and uh, human beings isn't it it was she was speaking but it was like <laughs> it was like the presence of an angel um and and here's one of the sort of practical things as well as that um quite early on you know she she she, she her background's completely different she was she's been brought up a christian you know no rock music they didn't celebrate Christ, uh christmas for a while because that was a pagan based anyway so quite re, quite religious religion um but very good girl all, all her life he was me this crazy have fun guy um and um and so she quickly got to know a little bit about me because I'm an open kind of guy. And she was, despite her clear boundaries, she was very ex accepting of who I was. 
And that was probably hard because you were still accepting who you were. Oh, absolutely. And see, that's the thing, mate. That's, that's the thing I, I love about being married. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's, it's an easy path being married and committed to somebody, uh, especially when you've got two worlds colliding. And we were both sort of in our 30s, so we were both stuck in our ways. And the, coming, the first couple of years of our marriage were blinking. Whew, hard work, man. Um, but it's a beautiful thing. I, I, no, I'm a 10 times, 100 times better person because I've been with her and, and everything that she's contributed to my life. Um, and her family, I, I was sold on her family. And they used, that was funny, I was meeting his, I met her parents a couple of months uh, at her mum's birthday party. And they were both very excited to meet me. Because <laughs> she wasn't, you know, you know, as a Christian girl, but she was 30 something years old. They were waiting for the man of her dreams to come along. Oh, we're very excited to meet you, Hector. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was it, they were lovely. And, and their whole, and they've got a big family, and it's all a bit overwhelming at times, but they, uh, they've, and their family's completely different to the family that we were brought up in. So, uh, and that's another thing I'm just massively, our boys have got, you know, there's 15 kids in, in their generation. Uh, all of five siblings in Shalom's family, all married, all with three children, beautiful symmetry. Um, but yeah, and there's a, uh, her youngest brother has got three boys about our age, about our kids age. And how much do you think they like spending time at the Campbell's farm, quite a lot, uh, you know? So it's a beautiful thing, uh, a family that, you know, and as you get to know them more, you see they've got fur balls too, but they're a beautiful family uh, and love abounds. That's amazing. And you, you said that you feel like because of your faith in God and because, and it wasn't just that, that you reached out to, I really loved that you, you told me you attended personal development groups yes. and you were, you had no, you have no problem being open about the fact that you don't have your life entirely together ever. And that you are a work in progress, like amen to that. All right. hundred percent. Um, but you made peace with that fact and that it is a work in progress. And that uh, the other thing you said is that you're smart enough to know you need help and it's okay to ask because you yes. are a work in progress. And although we all have ego and pride, two things yes. that the Christian church tells you to be aware of. <laughs> um, but you see the benefits when you embraced your faith and you embraced asking for help and you embrace the fact that you personal development groups are important because you will, you're never not a work in progress. Mm. And so, I mean, those are huge things that take lifetime. Some people never learn mm. that it's always, and not that it's not a struggle or a battle, but if you're open and willing and like, okay, I'm not perfect, but you know, I'm willing to take some help or ask for it. And I have faith in God and, that goes a long way in helping you heal. And I, I love Thank that you, you, you've been, you're very open that, yeah, you are you. Um, 
and that faith in God healed a lot of the wounds that you had really changed, changed for sure. Well, in a lot of ways, the trajectory of your life, because you you met Shalom there as well. Um, And then you were able to bring that faith and that whole attitude. Like you said, you struggled in the beginning. It, it's not always easy committing yourself to someone. No. <laughs> no <not>. Laughing. <laughs> so, but you were willing to work on it. Yeah. Do you want me to say something about that? Yeah. About the willingness to ask for help? Yes, please. Yeah, see, because see, I, I have, since I started this business about seven and a half years ago, I have, even though it's a, even though it's a different perspective and I actually encourage people in business to, uh, you know, especially with the financial side of it, to have a different perspective on it. There's a core fundamental ethos, if you like, that I apply the same at home as I do in work. And so talking of counseling, when I, um, shortly after Shalom and I, met i think even before we got married we started seeing a counselor who we still see and he's fantastic and so and this is one of the things about faith by the way is that see god it does miraculous things from the inside out but uh he is a gentleman and he never will do what he's not asked to do and he doesn't come in unless you ask him and you have to carry on asking him and so that's what that's about. We go to, so we go to counseling and we are continually open with one another. And if you know anything about relationships, uh, the good thing about having a third party in the room, it's kind of like a referee. And, uh, and he, this guy, his name's Mike. He's a lovely fellow. And um, one of the things I learned early on is that we, we go and have conversations and um, Mike would make this suggestion um, which is exactly the same as the suggestion I might have said a number of times, but Mike says, Oh, that's a good idea, Mike. That's a good, my wife, my wife automatic buy-in when somebody else says it, but when, you know, cause there's so much emotion involved in a relationship when you've got a third party in the room anyway. So, so it's, and he's, uh, so we've just continually used him collectively. I've just been using him again, uh, about, um, uh, about, Three months ago, I started going back to him again, just just one on one, because uh, one of the things that's been an issue for me is is my anger at home, and um, and and you know, again, a bit like my dad, I kind of keep it in, then all of a sudden it kind of explodes. And he's just been amazing, and uh, the the difference that's happened in the last three months, again, is I've made I've made a commitment to resolve this and a commitment to love on my boys and communicate with them, you know, and de- deal with them when they misbehave. We've got to deal with them, but deal with them in a measured way. Anyway, so, so yeah, I've just been, I, I, I continually seek help and, and in the, I've always had a coach in the business. Um, and as you will, uh, no doubt know yourself, the, uh, even though your coaching is, uh, focused on your business, you know, if your business is not working out, don't, no need to look outside, no need to look at Donald Trump or financial world or um, circumstances or your wife or your kids. Take a look at yourself. That if, you, if, you work, if you can work yourself out, you're going to make this all work out. 
uh, or, or that's the first, that's, the, that's a good place to start without, without being hard on yourself, without going, yeah, you're useless, da, 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 da. but just being open and going, I need some help. Uh, I can work this out, but I don't quite know how. Um, and so, yeah, I've just, I've got, I've had stacks of people ask for help and you know, like, like doing this, I, uh, I love doing this. I, I've, what I've learned is, um, cause you, cause you do it from time to time in church as well. Um, when you share your heart with people, it just kind of, it just impacts other people. You, you literally change people's lives. Um, and, and, and I get a new sense of, um, it's kind of self-discovery. You know, I, I, in this conversation, I've, um, I, I've, you, you kind of opened up slightly different insights to what I've had before. So it's, 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 um, you know, and this, this is, this is how, this is how human beings are designed to be. We're designed to be in relationship with one another. And when we kind of just get in relationship with one another and love each other, miracles happen. Um, and so you can't, you, you get hardly that little blurb. You, you wouldn't use that as, as your marketing speech for your coaching sort of thing. It's all a bit, uh, <clears throat> but you know, that's kind of what happens. And uh, you know, you learn and learn and learn. So, and, and learning, I, I've just come to really, I've, just come really come to embrace learning um so it's been yep it's been massively successful to take me out of what's been a trough a lot of years ago into this place where you know i've got a amazing wife amazing family a business that's really starting to flourish um yep but it's not um <clears throat> but it's not a there's no uh, you know if you come to me looking for a quick fix you're looking for the wrong guy I, and I like that. You you said that. You said there aren't shortcuts. There's no magic pill. I was hoping New Zealand had the pill that we take to get rid of all the there's a, isn't there a magic wand and it's in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Middle Earth. <laughs> exactly. I was hoping that you had the answer, but no. There are there are no shortcuts. There is no magic bullet. The 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 magic eight ball, uh it's not the answer to everything. No. And uh and there are things, by the way, too, like there's, there's no magic bullet and there are absolutely people out there that can make it a lot easier than if you do it by yourself. I've just literally found a coach recently to <clears throat> help me do some online stuff and I'm going to work this out. You know, I've had to spend a, spend a bit of cash. You have to spend some cash sometimes. You have to invest. Um, it's probably going to speed up a process that would have taken me a couple of years and I might be able to do it in a few months. So you know, there, there are absolutely those kind of opportunities out there, but the quick fix mentality is, is, is a, a flawed model, shall we say. It is, but if you think about it, so you just said you could take something that would take you on your own a couple of years and put it into a couple of months. That actually is a quick fix. We don't see it that way though, because no. you, you are investing in yourself and you're right. And, and I've said this in other podcast interviews because it rings true in so many situations. But I had someone ask me once, are you good at everything you do? And I said, yeah, because I don't do the stuff I'm not good at. I find <laughs> someone else. And, uh, you know, they're called resources. You are never less of a person for how can we possibly expect ourselves to do, to be everything to everyone? It's, no. I, geez, I can hardly hold the candle burning that I've got. Um so you find those people that are resources and you don't realize that by doing that, that is actually the quick fix. 
Um, and you're right. Sometimes you're investing money. You have to invest in yourself to get something back and speed up the process. But it, instead of it making you feel like you're less than because you're asking for help, it actually is the quick fix by asking for help. So, yes. And yeah, you, yeah, so you, you love sayings. Tell me some of the sayings you like. I'll give you the first one. You reap what you sow. Yeah, I do love sayings. You reap what you sow. Uh, good things take time. Um, I don't know. Just the, the more I go, the, it's just, like I say, it's just, there's no, I, I, I can't, I can't think of anything at that's your okay. surgery on the spot. Okay. Um, it's, <laughs> but it's just the, um, uh, yeah, Z oh, here's what I'll say. Zig Ziglar. Zig yeah. Ziglar. I love Zig Ziglar. Yep. See, he, um, and he just, he just, uh, he's, he's, and here's one of the things that he said, that, which is, and this is the thing when you're really, when you're learning stuff, in some ways you're not, in some ways you're not learning it. You just, it's, you're just drawing out what's already inside and what you already believed. And this is one of the things he says is that uh, I believe you can get what you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Um, and uh, that's what it's, you know, if you, if you, and like you say, you find what you're good at um, or, or sometimes to find out what you're not good at, but you're willing to learn, go and learn that and then contribute it to someone else, um, you can have a great life. And if it's possible, I always think, geez, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And you pretty much say the same thing. If it's possible, you know, it's possible for me, it's possible for all of us, anyone. Absolutely. Um, but you're right. You capitalize on your strengths, learned or not and you invest in others in those things that are your weaknesses. But I still feel like by trying to do it all alone, you're robbing someone else of that blessing to help you. Because I That's always want to be- putting it, Jen. Thanks. Uh, I always want to be the one bringing the casserole to the lady who just had the baby, you know, aren't coming in to save the day, but God forbid you should bring me a casserole because I don't need that. I got it all what? by myself. The the what the cas what the casserole what sorry the dinner oh the casserole oh you know <laughs> I, I, I i thought you know i i know what a casserole is i just i just i, just, I thought is that did you say casserole is that some kind of pram or I don't know. <laughs> no you know we want to always be the ones out uh the the night on the valiant steed with your sword helping someone else but when someone yeah. turns around and offers help you know it's it's ego and it's pride and it's, well, that that's like, I can't do it all. I, and right. we're robbing them of the blessing to serve and do what they're good at by Absolutely. saying no or not asking. And so um, it takes a little humility sometimes to ask for help. And then you realize, wow, that's so much easier if we all kind of band together. Like you oh, said, I, I think that's a, I think that's a really I think it's a big thing in life, but I, and I notice it, I notice it most now because that's what I do in business is I try and help people. And, um, I, I think pride's a massive issue, you know, people, and, and, and I, and I, and I don't know whether it's a stereotypical thing, but I, I, I think, I think guys are a bit more that way inclined. And I notice some of the uh, coaching groups that I've been involved in, there's a larger number of females because they are a little bit more inclined to embrace community and um, understand they don't and kind of, but guys, mate, they, um, they want to try and do it themselves. And that's the hard way. That's the hard way. You won't get as good a results. It's going to take you longer. Um, 
Anyway. So yeah, yeah. I wanna I wanna wrap up because I love one of my favorite things about you is how you talk about your wife. Um as a woman, that's how you know I want my husband out there talking about me. <laughs> um although I want to be the same, I, you know, I want to talk about him that way also, but I want you to share with me because you've told me that she's your biggest and most wonderful asset. And because you lost your mom at nine, you are more blessed than most or more thankful and vocal than most about how lucky you are to have her with your children. Mm. Um, And you said you've had ups and downs, but Tell me a little bit about uh, how you get through the hard stuff and um, stay together. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So I think one of the things is I, as I said, as I've asked for a lot of help, I've been, I've been, uh, and I'm really, I'm really persistent. I'm really persistent and I'm forever looking. So I found people like Zig Ziglar's, uh, he's been a key recent one um and he for one and my, like others has really taught teach talks a lot about being grateful and so one of the things that i do every morning is uh i get up early and i spend time um remembering actively remembering choosing to remember what i'm grateful for and Shalom's just been massive, mate. Like, um, she's such a, she makes me laugh. She's such a, she's such a lovely character. She's, um, gosh, she holds me to account, pal. She's, uh, she's a, she's a PhD qualified, uh, microbiologist. She, um, is, she did her, um, PhD. She had, Jack and Campbell in between the three years that she was doing her PhD. Uh, so she's just a, uh, she's borderline workaholic, uh, which, which I'm, I'm, you know, we get home, I'm the guy who wants to go and let's just sit down and have a cup of tea and think about what we want to do before we do anything. It's like, Oh, just put the washing out and I'll just do this. So, um, anyway, so I just, I just really appreciate, uh, our differences and, um, as I said, I've had, we've had a lot of counselling. We've got some. We've got some good friends who uh, have got relationships. We've got a, a, a Shalom's sister. Both she's got twin older sisters, and they've both got relationships that we um, uh, have learnt from. Um, and so we've just. And more to the point, we we've learnt together. But this is the thing for me. We're we're a little bit reverse in our relationship. I'm the I'm the one who, when we've got a problem, I want to talk about it. I want to go, what's, and she's the strong, silent type. She, um, she doesn't go to her man cave. She doesn't have a man cave, but she goes to her garden, you know. And interestingly enough, we lo- she lost her mum in a, in a car accident, and there were some plants in the back of the car. They'd gone, they'd gone off to buy some plants, and uh, which is another story, by the way, but I won't get into it. But the... But so some of those plants that survived this car crash that took her mum's life are out in that back garden. So uh, she loves gardening anyway, but it's very therapeutic for her. So uh, I've, I've learned to uh, not have my way all the time. 
you know, it's like, you know, and it's like you say that this art of serving, it's, it's such a blessing when I, when I take care of myself so that I can go home and be a good husband. One of the, here's one of the things that I uh, learned recently from my uh, counselor. He, he, he said, here's a question to ask yourself, Hector. He said, when you get home and when you're around your wife, how is your allure? <laughs> I was like, Whoa. I was like, Oh, um, but uh, so, so that was really helpful because it kind of made me cringe and made me laugh. But it's like, I want my wife to be sexy and appealing and want me. What am I doing to make her want me? You know? And so I'm just always trying to be responsible and, 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 and not, no, not in two. So it's like, so there's no, there's no one thing, Jen. It's just been a, a, you know, it's just been a commitment to ongoing learning and, um, and telling her how much I love her. And, you know, again, Zig Ziglar listening to him in the gym the, day, the other day prompted me to take a rose home to her. Um, I don't always think of those things. So I have to make sure that I remember and purposefully do those things. Um, and, and she's just committed out of this world. And, and so, um, yep, that's what gets, that, that's the main thing that gets us through is we, we're both committed to it. And I, and we, we, we both work pretty hard at, at loving each other. Ah, How's that well, for that, an answer? That's, that's a fantastic answer. And you mentioned laughter and, yeah. uh, uh, keeping each other on your toes and accountable and uh, laughing some more. Yeah. You know, that allure never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you told me, and you just said that you're both very committed to you, to us, the yes. relationship and, and what kids don't understand. Um, like as, as much as I love my kids, if this fails, it kind of all falls apart. Yes. So there is no, uh, this family doesn't exist without us first and, and carving that time out to make sure that you work on it. Yep. Uh, like you said, self-care, you brought up self-care. You have to take care of yourself to turn around and yep. be able to give it to her and you have to take care of and nurture that relationship so you can turn around yep. and take care of the kids. And I think it's just that constant commitment to work on it uh, it's easy to uh, love, honor, obey in good times. It's the bad. <laughs> they always throw in like that that nugget you don't like. And and I had someone give me advice like don't don't even worry about doing it all when things are good. That's easy. Yeah. Clearly. I I think though. Sorry, you go. No, no, say. good. Go. No, no, no. Because I see. I think I, I think one of the things for me is. Uh, working, continuing to work actively while things are good to reduce the chances of things getting bad and to reduce and offset so that, so that it's good more of the time and not to stop working when it's good uh, because it is hard to do right in those bad times. Uh, Self-care, I, 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 I can't, can't prioritise that enough. Um, for us, I've, I've for a long time been fairly good at going sweetheart i need to get out of the house i need to whatever um so the one of the keys for me is being as a husband is to make sure that i give her opportunities and encourage her to do the same because 
that's not hers. Her strength isn't looking after herself. Um, and, and I don't know whether you can relate to this or not, but th there's a couple of friends in particular that she has that, uh, you know, one of them she went out for a coffee for the other night. She'd kind of come home from work and was, you know, busy cooking dinner and kind of a bit, nah, and goes out, spends time with her friend, and all of a sudden life has returned to this woman. Smile on her face. Um, and that's, that's, that's a, you know, like it's, it's sometimes it's, you know, what, what did they do? They went out to a cafe, had a drink and spent about an hour and a half catching up with each other. These people have, they have heart to hearts and, uh, you know, it's just, a, it just, it's just massive. So, um, yep. Looking after myself, uh, is important. And I, and I'm a bit of an old fashioned kind of guy. I, I, I I see it as my responsibility as the as the husband to take care of her, which which means um, I need to uh, look after myself, but then make sure she gets opportunity to look after herself. So it's that looking after ourselves together, but we also love time uh, to to look after ourselves with our own friends and to keep our friendships outside of our relationships is an, is, is I think is really important as well. And that's the thing that men. Uh, can do poorly, especially when in my, my age from the sort of 40 to 50 and they get to 60 and, and realize they've got no friends anymore because they've been invested in their family and their business. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So there's a ton of stuff in there, Jen. We could talk about that all day. Eh? True. I, I really appreciate this. I, Hector, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the fact that you're willing to be raw and vulnerable because you're right. You open your heart and others can benefit from that. We can make an enormous difference on people in um, huge difference in very small ways. And so I appreciate your willingness to do that. And uh, it was a pleasure. Cool. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Like, share, and of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.